Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the live presentation as we do on Mondays to kind of go over the data that was um, generated obviously from the Wyndham Championship and kind of discuss a little bit about the playoffs. It's going to be a little bit different, but we've wrapped up the regular season in the 2018-2019 PGA Tour season. So let's jump into it. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, pretty exciting weekend uh, for sure. Um, obviously, there's a lot of players that um, we're going to have to figure out a different way back to the PGA Tour um, come next year. Some folks that we have grown accustomed to, Hunter Mahan. Obviously, Zach Johnson will be back, but had a tough season this year. Um, a few, honestly, that were quite quite surprising that we'll need to figure out a different place to play. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it'll be it's 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 different in that we now have the Corn Ferry Tour and the Corn Ferry Playoffs, and anybody who's been on the tour can go down and try to pick up one of those twenty five spots. I don't know exactly how. Fair that is, but it'll work out. Uh, local boy, Zach Blair, picked up a win over the weekend, which puts him in, I think, 10th in the Corn Ferry Tour standings. The top 25 there get their cards. So we'll see Zach Blair back on the PGA Tour next year. And again, boy here from Utah, so we're happy for him. Absolutely right. And anyway, just wanted to jump in to talk a little bit about, well, obviously it's Data Monday, so we need to go over the stats to see how JT Poston got it done over the weekend. And it was a miraculous weekend of golf. Um, not a bogey on the card. Completely bogey-free. Um, it's the first time since 1974 that somebody has gone bogey-free and won the tournament. So pretty, pretty, an amaz pretty amazing thing that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but first, before we jumped into that, I wanted to kind of discuss a how the playoffs are going to be done this year. It's different. You know, we've been doing these playoffs now since, what, 07, and they've had little tweaks here and there. But this time, and it has always been, it's been weird, right? Those years when you've got somebody who wins at East Lake, and then they get one of the trophies, and then somebody else gets the other trophy, and it's just kind of weird, right? Well, that's gone. Whoever wins at East Lake is going to win the whole thing. The FedEx Cup, that tournament, the whole thing is going to be there. So in order to do that, they've had to come up with a, a new strategy on how to score the players and how the players will play. And how that's going to be done is, um, and, and you'll see this as they go through, um, as they go through the next few tournaments, but Essentially, if the, if the tournament started today, then they would give the number one ranked player. So at the end of, we've got three playoff tournaments this year, right? Well, at the end of the two, everybody will be weighted and going into East Lake. Um, the number one player, the number one rated player at that time will be at 10 under to start the tournament. So let's just say for sake of argument, that we just looked at how people are ranked in the FedEx Cup right now. Brooks Kepka would start at 10 under par. Okay. So that's where he would start. So he would have a lead essentially on everybody else. Number two player, Rory McElroy would be eight under 
and then it goes all the way down. So you've got Xander Shoffley at seven under. You've got uh, Gary Woodland at five under. Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, Webb Simpson, John Rahm. It doesn't matter how many are there. As long as they're tied in that spot, they would get four under, three under, and it goes all the way down to where you've got a bunch of folks just playing at even par, right, and chasing everybody on up from there. So it will be interesting, essentially creating a situation where whoever wins that tournament, right, they'll it's kind of a staggered start, and then it doesn't matter from there, right? They'll start off, and then at the end of the four days, it's just who is most under for the end of the tournament. That player will win the FedEx Cup, win at Eastlake. The whole thing's over at that point. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out, and if it feels like if it feels like a win, right? I mean, if if Brooks Kepka goes under, and let's say like Tiger Woods comes racing up, he's got to make up ten strokes. And then they fight it out and Brooks Kepka wins by, you know, one stroke. Well, he really lost to Tiger Woods by nine strokes. Right? So he played some, you know, compared to Tiger Woods, not as, I don't know, it's going to be weird. So Brooks Kepka could go out and play poorly, frankly, a nine stroke cushion and, and go ahead and beat JT Poston, who won this week. All of those guys that are going to start at even par. Um, if they if they finish up that way, so the next two tournaments are pretty important to figure out where everybody's going to stack up. But having that ten stroke cushion against most of the field would be would be pretty amazing. It'd be a good way to start. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll have more to say about it once uh, once the playoffs are over and we go into the off season. So well, let's start in with Data Monday now, and we'll go over some of the results. Again, we've been using these presentations lately. I hope they have made things easier for everybody to see and understand. So we'll jump on into that. Let me bring it up on my screen real quickly here. <laughs> All right, there we are. Oh, I forgot I made myself square. How perfect. I am square. All right. So jumping on in again. A big victory for JT Poston. Um, moved him all the... Well, we'll see. We'll see all the benefits that came from the victory. Check out how he stacks up to our benchmarks and run it through it all. First and foremost, this is his first win on the PGA Tour. Picks up, you know, obviously a two-year exemption. Um, I put up a, a pretty cool quote from him this week. Um, well, actually, it was over the weekend on the, our Instagram and Facebook feeds where he kind of said, yeah, you know what? Knowing where you're going to play for the next two years is really great. But that Augusta National invitation to the Masters, that's that's what he was looking for. I mean, that's what he's excited about. So I think a lot of a lot of folks probably feel that way. So good, good on you, JT. That's pretty cool. So he played golf at Western Carolina University. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it before this, before I researched and found this here. So that's it there. As far as the uh, majors go this year, he didn't play in the Masters, finished a tied 60th at the PGA and did not play in the British Open or the US Open. So that will all change next year for him. So that's pretty exciting as well. We'll see how he does in all the uh, 2020 majors next year. Um, cool story, though. I, I thought it was a really cool story. He has gone about it. He's probably the poster child for the way that uh, the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour have it set up right now. So he came out of school, went right on to, to the Web.com Tour with no status, Okay, went out Monday qualified, finished 23rd. The next week, next week he finished tied third. 
The 23rd got him into the field the next week. He tied third there, and then he got five more top 15s throughout the rest of the year in order to finish in the top 25 on the Web.com tour at that time, but the Corn Ferry Tour right now, and started on tour 2017. So here we are two years later after getting his card from the Corn Ferry Tour. Boom, has a win now. So pretty, pretty great stuff. Born in Hickory, North Carolina. Cool sounding place, right? Hickory, North Carolina, great golf. Hickory shafts. I, it sounded like a pretty cool golf hometown as far as I was concerned. And then uh, I mentioned this earlier in, in sort of when we were getting kicked off. The first player since 1974 to win a PGA Tour title going bogey free. Yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty cool stuff. All right, let's jump down to our next page. So the benefit, how does this work out for um, for JT? Well, he started the year uh, in the world ranking as 347th. Okay, so he has had a good year. He's moved up to 164th uh, before entering into the Wyndham Championship, where the victory raced him all the way up to number 77 in the world. So pretty great jump there. As far as FedEx Cup standings go, from 83rd all the way up into 27th. So he put himself right up into the Tour Championship, right? Right, and he, he pushed him, himself all the way up into um, East Lake. So pretty amazing stuff there. Boy, like uh, Tiger Woods always used to say, right? Winning kind of takes care of itself, right? You don't have to worry about anything when... When you're winning a bunch. Let me get myself out of there so we can take a look at these a little bit better. There we go. <clears throat> okay, so um, there was a couple changes in the top 10, as we can see here the, for the FedEx Cup. You've got Brooks, Rory, Matt, Xander, Gary, Patrick, Dustin, and Paul Casey all staying in the same place. But Webb Simpson, Webb Simpson had a really good tournament at the Wyndham, and he jumped all the way up from 13th to 9th. So that put him up into the money for the Wyndham's reward program. I think he picked him himself up. I can't remember if it's um, 500K, 600K, somewhere in there. But he picked up a nice little bonus plus the check for finishing second. So a really good week for Webb Simpson to jump up in there and, and take some money away from, I think it was, uh, I think it was Rose who got knocked out. Justin Rose got knocked out of about 500K with Webb's good play over the, over the weekend. Um, as far as the world golf rankings, nothing changed in the top 10. So from Brooks all the way down to Patrick, everybody in between is um, still the same. It looks like they're saying here that John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau switched places, but um, actually that was last week. I didn't change it because this week nothing changed. So that is how it ended up this week as well. Okay, moving right along. So what does that do for our good friend, um, JT here? Um, as you know, I like to look at the players based on their consistency over the course of their career. And that gives us a good idea of what kind of player they are. So I call it a consistency scale, consistency rating. And um, if we look at how many, and, and, and it's essentially taking how many cuts made divided by the events and figuring out how consistent they are. So in the case of JT Poston, he has made the cut 69% of the time. And if you can see over there, the consistency scale I have here, that would put him in the good, you know, kind of the good category, right? Legends being those that have made over 90%. And again, I've, I'm only looking at 
those that won tournaments this year. It's, it's just too much to go through and try to figure it out for everybody. But if you win, we'll take a look at your consistency rating and see where you fit in for your career. Um, so Legends, Tiger Woods, he's the only one to average over 90% um, in cuts made. You've got uh, elite players such as Kepka, and Kepka's getting close to moving up into that Legends area. If he continues to play well in the regular season events, we know that his, his consistency rating for majors is 97 percent, 96 point something percent. Um, so he is an, uh, he's a legend when it comes to majors. But then when you sprinkle in his regular season, um, cuts average, it drops him down to that elite status with McElroy, Molinari, DJ, Mickelson, Rose, Cantley. It's amazing too. Mickelson's had a tough year, but he still ranks in that elite player making over 80% of his cuts. Solid players that have won this year include Holmes, Mitchell, and Paul Casey. And that's uh, Postman would actually fit in there in the good category with Kisner, McDowell, Pan Palmer, and Na. And then 59% and below. That's where we say you probably are going to lose your card. Winners that were in that category, so they are very lucky that they won because they would not have kept their card. Connors, Homa, and Kang with their victories Keep their tour card for a couple of years and have status next year on the PGA Tour. Okay, so my favorite part, and I'm really excited about this because the um, app that we've developed along with this, with these, um, I'm going to have to move myself again. The app that we've developed along with these benchmarks is getting very close. So it's out of design, um, just waiting for some feedback from some folks that are looking at, but it's going to be really good, and I think it's going to take what we do here and we talk about it every single week and put it in your hands so we can kind of look to see how our progress is going. It's going to be a free app. It's going to be available to everybody, but I think it's going to help us really hone in on what we need to practice on. So what we do is we look at the, the data essentially for what the player did this week to win the tournament, and then we compare it to what they did all of 2018, which will probably now start – We'll start uh, changing it over to the 2019 numbers since the regular season is finished and see if that changes our benchmarks at all. But I'm pretty sure that it won't. But anyway, we kind of look at it and compare how they performed on average over the course of 2018 compared to their performance over this week and see where they, you know, outperformed themselves and see how it, it always works out that we can see that they've done better than they do on average. And that's how you win a tournament. But also kind of point out that uh, PGA Tour pros have weaknesses in their game, as will we, and to kind of give us an idea of where we should be working on our own games. It's just kind of a cool way to kind of bring the PGA Tour and what they do into our own games to kind of help us figure out where our weaknesses are. So looking at right from the get-go, right, when we take a look at this benchmark review, uh, JT hit 80% of his fairways off the tee. No bogeys, so we know that he played rock-solid golf every single round in the 60s. I mean, 62 the last day, awesome play uh, for sure. So so his driving accuracy for the tournament was 80%. He averaged, over the course of 2018, 62%. So 18 percentage points better for sure. Our, our uh, benchmark for driving accuracy is 55% of our fairways. And I, I always throw in players that that didn't quite live up to that benchmark. 
Um, and in this particular case, Phil Mickelson, Tony Finau, and Jimmy Walker would be three players that didn't hit 55% of their fairways in 2018. Who knows in 2019? We'll, we'll get all of those updated here pretty quickly. So that will be fun to actually have new names down there. Um, in greens and regulation, again, we see a big difference here. 18 point difference. For the tournament, JT hit 86% of his greens and regulation. He averaged in 2018 68%. Um, our benchmark is 65%. So you can kind of see um, JT is pretty close as far as our benchmarks go on, on for his average in 2018 for both driving accuracy and, and greens and regulation. Sand saves for the tournament, he was 67%. For 2018, 50%. Our benchmark is 45%. So again, JT is pretty close to our benchmarks. Um, those that made got up and down out of the sand less than 45% in 2018, Tony Finau, Bubba Watson, and Gary Woodland. Okay, just to name a couple. Uh, we see a huge jump here. So um, for the tournament, strokes gained putting was 4.126 for the tournament. So he picked up four strokes on the field. Typically in 2018, he only picked up 0.135 strokes on the field. Uh, per round, we marked that in red. We like to see that number right around one, which it definitely was for um, JT for this tournament. So great playing there. Scrambling, this is a big deal. So when when JT missed a green, he got up and down 100% of the time. A 100% up and down rating. Now, he hit 86% of his greens. So 14% of the time, um, if he wasn't in the sand, we see his sands were only 67%. But if he wasn't in the sand and he missed the green, he got up and down every single time. That's amazing. Especially when you look at what his average is. For 2018, he only averaged up and down 58% of the time. With our benchmark at 55%, again, JT Poston is like our poster child of benchmark player. I mean, he's right near these benchmarks all the way along. So we can get our games... You know, obviously from the tees that are appropriate for how far we hit the ball, but we could get our games if we hit these benchmarks very similar to a player like JT Poston, who's a, a winner on tour now. All right. His average game. Okay. We, we look at putting a little differently now, but back when we started this, and I'll start differently in 2019, but we're going to finish out the year strong the way we've done it all year long. JT Poston averaged from 20 to 25 feet. He would only make 6.48% of those putts. Our benchmark is 9%. Okay, so JT, we would say, hey, bud, you need to work on your 20 to 25 footers, right? Um, from 15 to 20 feet, he made 21% of those. Our benchmark is 17%. And you can kind of see the players, like from 20 to 25 feet, players that made less than 9% in 2018. I, I think this list will change for 2019, but you've got Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, and Jim Furyk. I'm, Jordan Spieth's been putting like crazy, but wow, wow, what a blow-up round that was, right, on Saturday. That was so weird. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, probably worth taking a look at his swing, right, doing an analysis on it, because I don't know what's going on there to have a blow-up like that after he'd, you know, just, I don't know, just weird. A couple double bogeys here and there, and then some more, and... And the buddy's putting really well, and oh, I don't know what's going on there. So interesting, and, and I don't believe that we're getting to the bottom of it. At least nothing's been shared that 
that makes sense anyway. He just talks about swing changes. And anyway, best of luck to Jordan Smith. Hopefully he does wear well in the playoffs. But from 15 to 20 feet, we already talked about 21%. Of 21% is what JT Poston made. Our benchmark is 17%. 10 to 15 feet, 32%. Our benchmark is 28%. So he's good there. This one was interesting. So from five feet, JT only makes 71% of his putts. Our benchmark is 80%. So JT Poston is one of those that would be less than this 80% joining John Rahm, Ian Poulter, and Kevin Na. And then his putts per round, 20 putts per round, putts per green in regulation, 29.07. Our benchmark for that is 30. So a couple places putting seems to be, and, and, and that's consistent, right? If we look at strokes game putting and then we look at his 20 to 25 feet and we look at his 5 feet, all of those were below um, what we would consider to be acceptable in our own personal range. But for sure, for a player like JT Poston, I'm sure that that's, those are things that he's been working on uh, for sure. And we can see that um, in his victory uh, this year. So what does that mean, folks? Well, the money of this, I always like to kind of look at the money and how this all works out. So, oops, that's not the turn. That's not the right tournament. Let's fix that right now, shall we? See if it'll let me. I didn't get that changed. We are fixing it on the on the run. Okay, the Wyndham. That's the tournament. Okay, for his victory, um, JT picked up one point one one six million bucks. He did it in two hundred and fifty eight strokes. That is unfreaking believable. That's amazing. Minus twenty two, I think it was. Wow, it's just that's amazing. Not what it was. Minus 22. Yeah. Minus 22. Unbelievable. Um, so what does that work out to? Well, um, per day, he was bringing in $270,000 a day for four days of work, right? Per hour, assuming five hour rounds, he was, he made almost $59,000 an hour per stroke. So for every one of those 258 strokes, he picked up 4,300 bucks. <laughs> His career total. Um, so we can see that this contributed a third of the total of his entire career, 3.396 million bucks. He's made 53 cuts. That puts him right at $73,500 per cut, which is not, not too bad, right? If you make a cut, you know, you're going to take home on average 73 grand per week. I mean, that's decent. That's decent money, right? You're talking 300 K a month. That's decent money right there. So, but it's, it's not insane money. Like if we look at Tiger, if we look at the money versus the cut uh, chart that we have down below there, I, I had there in green Brooks Kepka with his win last week. He jumped up in, in front of Justin Thomas. And again, I only look at players that have won this year. So Tiger Woods makes $366,000 per cut. Roy McElroy averages $340,000 per cut. Dustin Johnson averages $293,000 per cut. Brooks Kepka is right there, just 90, what, 90 bucks, 94 bucks behind Dustin Johnson. And, uh, and then Justin Thomas, $273,000, right? 274,000. I mean, that's, they average in prize money, you know, per cut, like over a million bucks, right? If they make a cut four weeks in a row, they've made over a million bucks on average. 
um, these players. So these are folks that make cuts, con, uh, cuts very consistently. And you'll see that they are the ones that are always up in that um, elite and legend category. So good on you there. Some good money for JT. I'm sure he will enjoy that. So any changes in our year-to-date stat leaders? And this is where we finish up, right? We're not, this doesn't change anymore after this. So thank you to PGATour.com for providing the stats. Always appreciate going and being able to uh, jump around there. This is just screenshots of the PGA Tour stats pages. So if you want to go and see everybody here, definitely do that there at the PGATour.com website. But Ches Revi finishes the season as the driving accuracy champion. He hit 75% of his fairways. Pretty great. Pretty amazing. Ryan Moore, 75%. Jim Furyk, Ryan Armour, Hendrick Stenson, 74 to 72% respectively. Corey Connors led in greens and regulation. So 73% greens and regulation. Then you've got Johnson Wagner, Taylor Gooch, Alex Pure, and Charles Howell. Really, Corey Connors obviously had a win uh, this year. Charles Howell had a very, very good season, but Johnson Wagner didn't have a very good season. I don't know Taylor Gooch and Alex Pure. I don't know who they are, right? But they statistically had good years in greens on greens and regulation, which can lead one to only assume that they weren't very good putters, right? The putting numbers have to be pretty weak there. Okay, year-to-date stat leaders then in sand saves and scrambling. Again, also things that we look at, keep track of in our benchmarks. Um, Tyrone Van Aswegen is our sand champion of the year, followed by Francesco Molinari. There's been a lot of video recently. If you get on YouTube and take a look and uh, search for Francisco Molinari's um, sand game, sand shots, and watch those. It's amazing um, what he's doing. And he's got a guy that's helping him with his wedge game. His The way he plays his sand shots is amazing. It's gorgeous. It's definitely worth taking a look at for sure. Uh, Ernie Els, who led this category for quite a few weeks. And then Dustin Johnson and Tommy Fleetwood. I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I never would consider Dustin Johnson to be a good sand player, but there he is in the top five for the entire year. And then year-to-date lead statters and scrambling. Again, pretty cool. Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, there's your short game master, right? He's top five in sand save and top five in scrambling. That's pretty cool. you got Webb Simpson, who played very well this last weekend, moved his way up in the scrambling numbers, uh, bumped down Patrick Cantley, Lewis Glover, Lucas Glover, and Aaron Baddeley. I think Aaron Baddeley actually... I think he's one of the ones that lost his card this year. I don't think that he finished up in the top 125. I'm not sure. Or, I mean, didn't make the champion, didn't make the tournament. I mean, it didn't, yeah, didn't make the playoffs, I think. Is that better? I don't know. I'll have to look. I can't remember right now, but I did read, I did read his name somewhere. I can't remember if he lost his card or if he just didn't make it into the, uh, the tournament, the tournament of champions at the end, the playoffs. That's what I meant, the playoffs. Okay. So last one of the year, again, for the for the PGA. So, again, congratulations to JT Poston, the 2019 champion of the Wyndham Championship. Very cool. And our, and our majors winners for the year. From the Masters, you've got um, Tiger Woods. For the PGA, you've got Brooks Kepka, U.S. Open, Gary Woodland. And for the British Open, Shane Lowry, um, which I heard he's still partying and still hungover. Have you seen those videos? <laughs> He's having a very, very, very good time. So really, really good stuff. 
Um, coming up later this week, I've got a podcast coming up on um, some really cool swings. Um, I, I really think that it's going to be fun to talk about some of the other victories that occurred on the LPGA Tour. Um, some really big stuff happening from Japan, and I'll kind of share what that means in Japan, being somebody who's lived over there. Um, they treat their athletes very different, very differently, and it's it's kind of fascinating as an American to see how that works out. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Then I'm going to get into some different swing techniques and some things that we're learning from uh, the body track, but also from, um, oh, I just lost the name of the piece of technology. I just had a big discussion on it. Hack Nation, is that what it is? Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to remember, but some really good uh, research coming out on some different technologies that could help us as we, now that the season's over, we're kind of moving into this place where we got to, figure out what we're going to do over the winter uh, to keep our game sharp, right, to get ready for next season. And so we're already starting to move in that direction here at Data Access Golf and make sure that we have really good information, really good research, and even some courses and some cool new technology to kind of help us get through the winter and actually improve our games. So when spring hits in 2020, we're ready to go. So thanks for joining me again today. I really appreciate it. Um, it is so fun to talk golf, and it's so fun to see these players do what they do and do it better than any other group in the world. Um, to, I mean, to make the cut at the Wyndham, I think it was four under par. I mean, that's just these these guys are good, really, really good. So so fun to watch them. Hope you enjoyed the tournament. Really looking forward to the playoffs. Hope you are as well. Until next time, Aaron Stewart from Data Access Golf saying, "Better data always means." Better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.